Welcome, welcome, listeners, to the panel of people that put pens in your podcast. That's right, scribes and scribblers. It's the nib section, official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania. Here with me today, we've got a full panel of returning hosts for your listening pleasure, but uh, you're joining us on our Jordan episode. Yes, uh, episode 23, uh, if I can be so bold as to uh, talk a little 95-96 Chicago Bulls for a second as we introduce our guests. Your references are completely lost on don't, me. Don't worry, it's fine. It's, it's, <laughs> it's only the, the best year of basketball ever. Um, I'll take nothing, your word for it. Absolutely nothing to uh, So first up, our generous benefactor, uh, Sharon, also our, uh, I think our, our Dennis Rodman and our Jerry Krause. So the only thing I know about Dennis Rodman was his appearance on The Simpsons. So that should probably that, give you a little... He was also in a movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme called Double Team. Um, do not watch Double Team. It <laughs> uh, sounds like something that should be X-rated. Um, second up, uh, we've got a consummate calligrapher and a relative rookie to the panel, uh, Ruben. For the purposes of uh, my metaphor, you are Steve Kerr. I also it's do not fine. get that reference at all. Like, I'm sure it's a compliment in some strange, oblique fashion. Uh, uh, feel, uh, <laughs> uh, our fearless leader, Diana, who um, both coach of the year, Phil Jackson, and uh, our Michael Jordan definitely doing the lion's share of the work. Yeah, I'm uh, gonna... <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll definitely pay that yeah. one. <laughs> and uh, myself, Chucks Monsanto, um, go and take a listen. I'm not the star, but I work hard, baby. You can call me Scotty Pippen. <laughs> Um, we'll call you Scotty Piffin then. <laughs> Just for the duration of the episode. Uh, so, because we're doing, uh, th- this is like a nice little lineup where we're doing our 23rd episode and we're talking about ball. Um, well, today we're going to talk about ball points. Before we get into that, guys, um, now that you know we're, we're doing a, a ballpoint episode where we're going to try to focus on uh, something that we, we never talk about. Um, what are we writing with today? I'm going to start off today because I, I normally always go last. So I'm writing with a pilot friction that came with my 823 um, that is pretty much the only ballpoint I have still. Um, a fun little thing to write with. And I didn't know, Sharon just told me, that uh, the friction, you can erase the ink uh, with, with heat. It's marketed as an erasable ink. That erases using friction, hence the name friction. Completely yeah, lost no, on Chuck. <laughs> I didn't know this. I thought it, I thought it was something to do with the um, the clicking mechanism or whatever. Because that gives you a bit of friction. Yeah. Look, I, I I didn't I didn't think about it too much. I got it at the same time that I got an A two three, so I was focused on the A two three. Let's lead into you, Sharon. What are you writing with today? So, fun fact: at Takashimaya in Japan, they give you a free friction ballpoint if you show them your um, passport as their welcome to Japan sort of uh, intro. Is it a branded friction? It is. It's branded. It's got Takashimai on the side. All you have to do is show them your passport. Oh, nice. Fancy. Um, So I did originally bring a fountain pen and then I remembered what episode we were doing. (laughs) I bought a a vanishing point, um, a decimo, which was close enough. The ballpoint of fountain pens. It's the ballpoint of fountain pens, right? Um, However, I did remember that in my handbag I always carry two ballpoint pens. Um, I have a Lamy Linear in a herringbone finish, which came free with a moleskin at one point. How is that? 
I haven't used this one all that much to be fair because uh, I prefer my ballpoints not to be clicky because the click mechanism bugs me a little bit. You like the twist too. I like the twist yeah. mechanisms on a ballpoint pen, which we can talk about in a whole lot more yeah, detail yeah. later. But um, this one is pretty light. Uh, it comes with the Lamy refills, which um, which last a really, really long time. The ages. M16. The ages. The M16 refills. They call them the mega ballpoint refills or the jumbo ballpoint refills, whatever they call them. Yeah, so I have a Lamy linear and my daily twist sonnet. So it's a son- slim sonnet white pearl with rose gold. I don't know, this one's taken a bit of a beating. It's got some scratches on it. Um, but this is a twist ballpoint. It uh, comes with a Parker refill. Good-looking little pen. It is. It's a stylish mm. one. Wow, you go hard when you go ballpoint, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> what, what about you, Ruben? Uh, yeah, see, um, I actually have – it might be in the bottom of my bag, but I am not rustling for it now. Uh, but before I went into fountain pens, I was a big fan of uh, the Muji rollerballs. I just had this real obsession with the very slick aesthetic of Muji with, like, all that frosted plastic and very, you know, you what does your place look like? Is it all no. frosted glass? Oh, most of, most <laughs> no, it's all it's it's like all white or teal, I guess. I guess. No, most <laughs> of most of my bedroom has been furnished yeah, by Muji. Like, yeah, it reminds me of the new Millennium. But no, nah, I don't know. I just I just liked the way they wrote, man. <laughs> Before I used fountain pens, I would always have at least two or three of those bad boys just rolling around in my bag, and I probably do have one. Yeah, that Muji definitely know. reminds me of um, Will Smith songs. Um, <laughs> Getting right into the new millennium, yeah. right? I think that's a cheat, Ruben. You're not, you're not actually writing with. No, what, no. what, what are you I'll actually write, writing write. with? What I'm actually writing with today is an Aurora Optima that I bought off Diana, and I freaking love it. It is a gorgeous pen. Really burying the lead, spending all your time on the Muji rollerball. <laughs> well, the topic was ballpoint, so I was trying to play into that. You'll have much more time to talk about your beloved Muji later on. Yeah, so like I've just got this filled with, uh, I think it's Edelstein uh, Smoky Quartz, which I've been really feeling lately. I might actually have to get another bottle yeah. of it. You can have You can have ours. You can have ours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Give me all your You're also quartz. the only person I can ask today, like, what ink you're writing with. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, you, in my, my ballpoint uh, fountain pen. In, in your, you have a cigar. Okay. Ruben, you, you and our other um, guest host, Joanne, I think you're the only two people I know who actually like that ink. Really? Smoky quartz. It's not bad, though. I don't like uh, brown and I don't like greenish yellow. Like those those two. Uh, and that's like a greenish brown. I like yeah. it, but my first, like my first thing which I fell in love with was Inaho, which is like a greenish brown. Oh, so. Inaho and Chikorin <laughs> don't work for me. Oh, look at all of the grimaces around the world. I like Inaho and I like Chikorin. I don't mind either. They're, it's a very spring colour. The smoky quartz. Smoky quartz reminds me of food that's come out the wrong way. <laughs> uh, yeah. Come out the wrong way in the kitchen or the wrong way in the body? Yeah. Uh, Mm. You're the expert on that, Chuck. <laughs> yeah. um, um, Dana, what are you writing with today? We, <laughs> we're getting very off In the our defence, this is very early for us. It's very yeah. early on a Saturday morning, mm-hmm. and we're usually not awake at this time. Okay, I'm using 
my pocket jotter. It's I don't know if it's a limited edition color. It's one of the green ones, like a turquoise green. Clicking, I looked at Sharon's face. <laughs> I love the clicky this, ones. Okay, this jotter is infamous. This is the green jotter that I used to sign the Sydney FPO meetup book. Even though you meant to sign it with a fountain pen, I did it with a rollerball once. Oh no, it's a uh, it's a ballpoint. Mm-hmm. Although someone has to enlighten me. What is the difference between a rollerball and a ballpoint? We can, we can get onto that later. Yeah. I'm not quite sure. I just think uh, one is a paste ink and the, other and the other one is a more liquidy ink. Okay. I use them interchangeably. Although I think you can put more pressure on a ballpoint. Uh, you can actually put a gel, get into it. <laughs> gel <laughs> ink into um, that one. With a ballpoint, yes. you can write on like those plastic filmy. Kind of oh, like thing. a credit card. Yeah, but you can't with a rollerball. That's that's great. I will test whatever pen I'm using on the back of a credit card to see whether it's a rollerball or a rollerball yeah, point. Yeah. It seems like a really involved test. Yeah. Uh, it's just because I have to uh, – we'll, we'll get into it. Um, before, we, before we move on to the what should be the body of the, the podcast, uh, we've got uh, mailbag and reviews. We have two new five-star reviews on our iTunes UK page. I'm going to turn the first one over to um, Sharon. So pen podcasts don't get better than this. Five out of five. Intelligent, uh, fascinating, and enjoyable. Best pen podcast out there. Such good insights, such great themes for each episode. Great diversity of opinion. Learning lots. Keep up the good work from... Milo Lad, um, which uh, sounds to me like the sidekick of Milo Man. <laughs> but um, I, I, I haven't... Milo Man? Milo Lad. That was so, my first thought, too. Could it be Milo Man? Mm. That's very on theme. Yeah, it is very on theme. Mm. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll do our research. And <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. But thank you, Myla lad. I'm going to turn this one over to you, Ruben, uh, our All second right. uh, review. Uh, the next review was a uh, wonderful, fun podcast, five out of five. Absolutely love it. Disagree with the previous review, love, Diana. Also think it's great that there's all different levels of expertise and knowledge. Makes it accessible for newbies from... AJ sixteen HP sixteen hit points I believe. Um, <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. I, I should have gotten Diana to read that one out. Oh yeah. Um. So I don't want to go into it. There was this really nasty one that said I talk too much, but I will forget that it happened. Thank you, AJ sixteen HP. And actually, Chuck, I have one last addition to the reviews and feedback uh, section because I just saw this on Twitter. Um, and it's a reply to our most recent episode about handwriting. S-H-U-B-H-1. Um, they replied um, on Twitter, Enjoy listening to your views about handwriting. In my career, I've seen no tech to all tech, and my handwriting habit never diminished one bit. There's a lot of research that shows taking notes can help boost academic scores apart from memory and comprehension. But as a life skill like music, art, sketching, these are for personal fulfillment and pleasure. The future may be tech-led, but to retain our individuality, writing, and using instruments such as fountain pens are an elegant option to consider. I do agree that cursive and learning scripts helps to appreciate the art, the strength of handwritten communications, and personal pleasure. The survival of both fountain pen inks and writing skills depends on us and how we pass on our passion to youth, not as a must. So uh, thank you, (laughs) S-H-U-B-H-1. For that lovely comment. Shubi. Shubi. I can't see the, the, the screen that is reading from. Thank you very much for that one. Um, well, as always, you know, send, send your reviews in. Uh, we, we like hearing from you, you know, what, uh, what you're writing with. I had uh, two people reach out to me from the last episode just for listening to the uh, recommendation 
for music that I gave, and uh, I'm glad that uh, you guys enjoyed that. On to our featured topic for today. Ballpoints, pencils, rollerballs, maligned but not forgotten. Now, we are predominantly a fountain pen user group. Being a, a group that defines itself by uh, using fountain pens often means that we, uh, you know, that, that is... Disparaging yeah, other utensils. Yeah, it's, and sometimes uh, with humor, and for some people, not. But uh, for a lot of our daily purposes... Uh, the people around us are going to use a ballpoint much more frequently if they write with anything than a fountain pen. Uh, most of us have gotten into the uh, ballpoints that we carry around. Why? Why do we still use them? Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna get Diana to start off this one. I know you carry around uh, a ballpoint for regular use. I also know that you love carrying your VP around for regular use for a lot of the same reasons. For uh, quick note taking, you've mentioned before. Why? Why do you carry a ballpoint around for for the majority of your day-to-day? Okay, I have to qualify those statements. First of all, I always carry a ballpoint when I go out, whereas I don't always carry my VP. A ballpoint, I think, is something that you can safely leave in your purse in whatever condition, in whatever temperature, when it rains, when it snows, whatever, for months or even for years without having to worry about it. And that's one of its main advantages as a daily carry for me Um, because – I don't know. I'm a woman. I have lots of handbags. I don't want to, you know, toss a pen in my handbag and have to worry about finding it five months later and discovering that it's all gunked up because I totally forgot it was there. So that's the role that Jotters and Current Dush 849s serve for me because they're, um, if you look at them, I've got um, one of each in my hand. They're pocket sized pens. They last a reasonable amount of time. They're very sturdily built, um, and they just slip into like one of those pocket notebooks very easily. Can I get a look at that eight four nine? Yeah, that Carandash is gorgeous. That, that is a really, it's really a nice, nice like as yeah. It's yeah. It, it's the Carlo Collotti. It's hefty. Limited edition, I think. It's, it's there's weight to it. Yeah, uh, there's yeah there's a yellow um, eight four nine that I was looking at getting to carry around <laughs> at, at work. They're they're heavier than the Jotters. Yeah. No, this is good. This is heavier than what I thought it would be. Um, yeah. So that so yours is the the reliability and uh, reliability. It's low maintenance, and they generally tend to be smaller than fountain pens. And in a woman's bag, you know, size matters. Um, real estate. Prime exactly. <laughs> you don't want it to take up all that space. <laughs> That's good. Well, over to you, Sharon. I think that you mentioned in a in a similar way to um, die before that a lot of your daily uh, is either digital or ballpoint and you don't often use fountain pens like for, for work purposes or it's personal purposes. Um, yeah, so on a day-to-day basis, I tend to use fountain pens only if I'm writing in my own notebook. Um, if I'm writing on any type of printout or copy paper, I do tend to use um, a ballpoint pen just because I can't stand the feathering or the show-through or the ghosting on the other side. Um, and most of the copy paper that we use at my workplace is recycled copy paper, and that has a horrific uh, reputation for not being fountain pen ink friendly. Uh, a, lo- a lot of them are basically like um, serviettes, where like if yeah, you if you right. if you touch the the nib to it, then it just starts to <laughs> bleed. So you know, if you're using a fine point pen, be prepared to write as if you were using a broad mm-hmm. or a double broad. So I I always do carry ballpoint pens with me. Like Diana, I tend to 
toss a whole bunch of them in all different handbags as well. And I carry them around also because if anyone wants to borrow a pen off me, it's the one that I'll hand to them. I'll hand them a ballpoint pen rather than um, any one of my fountain pens. I also do like the fact that with a ballpoint pen, you don't have your ink dilemma. So if you are having a particularly difficult day and you're trying to decide what colour pen or ink you want to be using, ballpoint pens basically come in like four or five different colours. Mm. Um, you know, you've got your standard black, blue, red and green. Sometimes you get a purple. There's yeah. a green. I have a set of frictions because I actually do like the pilot friction. Yeah. Uh, they come in ten or eight different colours. And they also come in highlighters too. You can get a highlighter that erases I actually quite enjoy writing with a ballpoint pen as long as there's a heavy stack of paper underneath it because I find um, there's a bit of cushioning there and I think Leo from Inquisitive Quill has also stated that you can get a similar effect in, if you like that type of give in the in the cushion the sorry the cushioning feel you can get a similar effect by using just like a piece of leather underneath. There's nothing. That I've, I, the, the sensation of writing with a ballpoint on one sheet of paper is on horrific. a hard, oh. on a hard oh, surface. No, no, not, no, a, not, fan. not it's, a fan. It's two, it's two uh, degrees away from the nails on the chalkboard. It's like writing on glass. Things yeah. that are not tactile. Yeah. <laughs> Ruben, what's your usual uh, usage for your Muji frosted, frosted glass, glass millennium? <laughs> um, Will Smith. Will Smith. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was after I came to terms with the fact that I had very nice fountain pens because I, I brag. Used to, yeah, no, it, well, like and like no, oh, as in like to me, I felt I went through that phase that most fountain pen users use where I was like, oh, this is too nice to use, or like um, you're worried about you know when you get your first scratch or your first ding on a fountain pen and there's that mild moment of you know horror and angst. No, just because I had like my first pen was a, a friggin' Marquier, so like I was hor like terrified of scratching the finish. So I'd use it occasionally for like I'd bring it in just to do bits, like, jotting notes here and there, just to get a feel for it. But I'd still carry like my little beloved Muji's. But I think the decision really shifted when I had a horror story with my my sailor because for some reason uh, one of my colleagues. I have a habit of buying boatloads of cheds. If anyone knows those oh, really, what? really salty cheds, um, the cheds, cheese, the, you know, cheese the cheese biscuits. crackers, right? Oh, and, um, okay. And a friend thought that they'd, they'd do something nice for me because I kept buying communal cheds for the office, and they bought a box of cheds, and they wanted to write a thank you note on the box of cheds, and decided that the nearest available writing tool to hand was my Sailor um, Pro Gear, and. They they did a certain amount of damage to the nib <laughs> on a, on a <laughs> box of chairs. Yeah, they tried. They, the only reason I noticed it was because I looked at like the little note. I'm like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> that color looks familiar. Yeah. Oh no, that is for you, Sjogun. And then and so um, our friend Tavit had to. Uh, wrangle the nib back into into shape so I now carry my frosted Muji's around to hand around to people so that they don't grab them. You know how to solve that problem though? <laughs> yeah. Just get four Kakunos. <laughs> oh yeah, I've got one Kakuno. It's definitely in our previous episodes. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this the get four Kakunos. Get the four Kakunos. Yes. So I am perfectly happy for most of my day-to-day -day writing with a fountain pen and... Uh, I'm also perfectly happy with that being a little bit uh, inconvenient um, for work. <laughs> 
purposes. I carry, uh, at work, I've got two pens that are dedicated to black and red uh, bulletproof inks. And it's just a Lemmy Safari and a, a Pilot E95S because they're little slip and snap caps and they're uh, easy to keep on the collar. They don't leave my collar because I don't trust people uh, because they have proven untrustworthy. The reason I use a ballpoint um, every day is that uh, as a colorectal nurse, which was alluded to by, by Diana before, <laughs> I have to give a lot of IV medications and there are these additive labels that we stick to the bags to, so that you know people know what's been added to them and such. And they have this plastic film that you cannot write on with a fountain pen at all. I did a test one time where I wrote on a label and I left it for literally half an hour. Didn't dry. Smudged. And uh, even a rollerball doesn't quite do the job. So at work, I've got a random whatever, baker, uh, or literally whatever's around. That I only, <laughs> yeah, that I only use to write on these additive labels. Um, and I definitely have to do this every day that I'm working. So I keep that around for utility purposes. But apart from that, I'm perfectly happy slowing everyone down while I twist my pen free of its cap uh, to write. But I, I definitely have handed someone my Safari to use because uh, it's the it's the bright yellow one. And it's the one that people notice first. And they're like, oh, can I write with it? And I will hand it to them because it's yeah, a steel nib. It's easily replaced. And, I'm, you know, the steel ones are also harder to mess up. And I'll say light touch as always, but... I'll also hand it to them, and when they grab it, I won't let go immediately. I'll make eye contact. <laughs> when, you, when you say light touch, though, like having spent a lot of time, because I work quite close to Dimmick's work, our friend Mark works, I have never been to a counter that sells writing influence where the Lamy nib has not just been like turned into like a ski mm. jump from yep. people who have just destroyed those nibs. Yeah, yeah. So, like, no, that's why I, I, like see, that I, assume extra, that I assume that your colleagues are a little bit more careful. Well, I like the extra <laughs> touch of not letting go straight uh, away. Yeah. And there's other times where people will ask me, like, oh, I need a pen, and they'll see the ones on my collar. And be like, can I use that? And be like, nope. <laughs> you better look around. I know there's ballpoints here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, even without, uh, even w without, sort of wanting to use them. It's, it's more that I, I want to use the fountain pens that I have um, rather than a, a major distaste for, for ballpoints and pencils. And, um, and I, still, I still keep a, an Oto mechanical pencil around um, for, for purposes. So Chuck, the, the ballpoints that you use at work, how do you go about buying them? Like you said you, said you had a friction. Mm -hmm. So did you just see the word friction and thought, you know, I'll try that? And you got it free. No, that's, that's, <laughs> it, it came with my with my eight two three the the friction. Ah, okay. Um, but the ballpoints there at work. Um, I, I've mentioned before that uh, pens at a hospital are like prison cigarettes, and that they get circulated <laughs> and hoarded. And I would have thought there'd be a lot of um, like pharmaceutical branded um, ballpoints there just lying around. There are a lot. There's and they're branded. Uh, I've, I've got a Lipitor one I'm using right now. <laughs> uh, give me some of that Lipitor money, um, Bayer. Uh, AstraZeneca. <laughs> Big pharma brand. Did anyone do that thing? Like, I don't know. This was so, like, demonstrable of my, my uni life. I'd go to, like, all of the um, – like, they'd have those shows where they have – Career events. Yeah, their career events, whatever. And, like, they'd always have, like, the branded ballpoints. And I would go equally for the career connections, especially, like, in law and – Equally, because they'd always have the pens and free stationery. Yeah, being an absolute tight one uni student, I would just like nick all of the pens. Uh, when I was working as a um, oh, what do you call it? Um, property settlement clerk. Um, we had 
something of a game going where we'd go to nap and we'd we'd always nick the pens. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, like off had, the chains? Or? No, no, no. You don't have to have the buckets of ball points, oh, okay. right? The branded nab ball points. We had like a competition going for which I did kind of win for how many nab ball points you can nick okay, in a single Okay, okay, okay. Ribbit, ribbit, you're a connoisseur yeah. then of, um, of these branded ball points. Which would you say have the best writing experience? Oh, I don't know because like the equal the, levels of bad. Well, the, they're all about the same. But, like, what makes the be- the better writing experience is knowing that you've grabbed them for free. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, so I I happen to have a brand that I think some more promotional companies should use, and they're the Uniball Jet Streams. Good. Because yeah. some people, if they're going to fork out that extra little bit of money for. Um, uh, marketing material, they'll go the extra mile and get a Uniball Jetstream because they're fantastic. Yeah. They're the same ones that you get with your Hobonichi orders. I was going to say, Nick the Pens, remember, there's a special, any anytime I go to an airport and there's just, a, or the post office and there's a loose chain with no pen at the end, it is a special kind of monster <laughs> that, that, that feels the need to do that. <laughs> Uh, I think we've, while we've talked about, we, we've done this, but like favorites and recommendations for, for the ballpoints. I was a big fan of the Lamy ones because I did like clicky and I did like bright colors. Um, and they were the ones that just made it easy to, they're, they're, they're kind of just like fun and eye-catching without without being um, super serious. And they're, so they're like a big with uni students. I've, I've seen the Lamy ones mm. around. Um, a lot of the news agents in the city that are close to UTS stock, uh, apart from the regular ballpoints, they'll go to the Lamy ones, which is often the only nice, nice-ish ballpoints that are you know in the news agents because they're eye-catching. The other ones that are relatively easy to get um, just around Sydney are the Parker ballpoints. Um, I know a lot of department stores carry those, and so do Waterman as well. Yeah, and stationery stores. Yeah. Um, so. If we're not talking about the premium end brands, so I mentioned the Uniball Jetstream is probably one of my favourite ballpoints. I just like the way that the refill's right. Um, the Pilot Friction, because you can erase it, and then if you accidentally erased it, and you shouldn't have erased it, just chuck the book into the freezer, and the writing comes back. I didn't know any of this. <laughs> it's activated by heat. I love the Pilot Friction inks. So on a small anecdote of my own, I, I used to only buy pilot frictions at one point, and I mark exam papers on occasion on weekends. Oh, no. And so I went into my first ever exam marking session, which is almost like an interview. It's like a, a two-day interview where you have to demonstrate that you can mark an exam paper and uh, you don't completely mess up. And I walked in and I was like, oh, I'm not going to use your um, – I'm not going to use whatever pens you're throwing at me, Statler – the Statler pens, Statler sticks. And I bought my own fountain pen. The lady came over and she's like, you can't use that. I was like, okay, fine. And then I whipped out my spare um, Pilot Friction in red. I started marking. I marked a stack of about 10 papers before she came over and she said, is that erasable ink? If that's erasable ink, you're going to have to go back and remark everything that you've done with oh. proper non-erasable ink. Um, oh, because they'll... So mess yeah. the marks why can't you use a fountain pen because of the erasability aspect? Or? No, it's, if it gets wet, okay. If it gets wet, it'll just bleed all over shop. Right. And I don't use I don't use um, the, the, yeah, yeah. noodlers or yeah, um, yeah. pigment inks that much. Yeah. Would it be more about the students 
rubbing away the marks and changing them or are you making snarky comments and then rubbing them out later when you <laughs> I don't know. There was, was a blanket rule. Uh, I'd like to think that the students have a little bit more integrity than that, but considering <laughs> you have to pay like 500 bucks to get a supplementary exam, I don't know. Ooh. Yeah, I'm like, that's, uh, I mean, that, that would be an assumption that it would not make. Yeah, um, so as a result, I had to, I had spent like a whole afternoon redoing the marking that I'd done that morning. <laughs> they still call me. Don't fire me, but I'm still back. <laughs> yeah, so friction ballpoints, I love them, but don't use them for anything that you want a permanent because you can erase them and you can also bring back to life anything that you have erased. So don't write passwords with frictions and write, <laughs> rub them out because you think that's a really smart idea, just don't. <laughs> and then in terms of the actual uh, higher end, I really like Carandash. The click mechanism on the Carandash is... Are almost silent. It's very nice. It's very smooth. Um, there it is. Yes, it's very subtle. It is compared to the Lamy. The compared to the Jotter. That's the Jotter. And then this is Lamy linear. Mm. So you, you brought up an, an interesting point about like avoiding the high end. Like we can all get like Lamy or Mont Blanc ballpoints if necessary, but for most of us, like that's that views into the same area as fountain pens. Mm. Where it's, like. Luxury, yeah, exactly. And that's uh, a lot of the time. That's not going to be what your your daily usage is. But sometimes, if you're going to take out a ballpoint pen and you're going to use one, you want one that looks pretty good. Mm. Um, and yeah, I'm with you. I I quite like the Lamy refills. Yeah. Um, the Carandash ones. I'm not huge on Parker, but the Parkers the Parker Sonnet ballpoint pens are just very stylish and very sleek. Whether they're the full size, the slim size, Ooh. the mini size, they just they look very nice. Mm. They look mm. very nice in hand. So oh, they're built yeah. perfectly for elf-sized hands too. I really <laughs> like that. On the on the note of oh, on the really note nice. of um, elf-sized hands. Well, well, I'm I'm curious because you you do like your eight two three, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Which is uh, uh, Diana doesn't uh, like. She prefers the seven four three for balance and. Um, Size purposes. Yeah. Um, and you, you find the 823 quite comfortable? Or? I actually, I didn't choose the 823 necessarily for like the, the size. I chose it for the capacity because when yeah. I was looking into getting something for daily use, it infuriated me using cartridge converters because I loved the pens, but I could only get through about a day and a half of writing before it would run dry. Mm -hmm. And when you've got like 2.5 mil of ink in the tank, I can write for a good week and a bit before I have to refill the pen so it was more of a practical consideration and the trade-off was that it was a chunkier pen okay. just by the nature of that so what is your ballpoint uh, recommendation then your, your favorite for, apart from the muji one that you've oh, you've recommended yeah uh it's it's, it's actually um and it's funny because it um influenced one of my ink um crusades or quests i have now um i don't even know if they sell them in in the design they used to, but when I was a kid, I used to love the um, the big crystal gels. They were, they were again me and my weird love of frosted frosted plastic. <laughs> my love of frosted plastic. It was just it looked like a standard hexagonal, you know, big stick kind of situation, but in sort of pale frosted translucent blue plastic. But it had the most gorgeous, I guess, ultramarine ink, and it was mm. like a gel pen, so it was really really viscous kind of ink and I don't know what it was it was just it was very it was very smooth writing and the ink color was it gave me the hypnotisms and I don't even know if they made them anymore I tried to google them the other day and I found like an approximate of of it but uh, I've been hunting for that 
that ink color been found pen or ballpoint ever since. Okay. With limited success. So, listeners, if you uh, if you do have a, a stack of those around, let us know, and um, we'll make sure that uh, Ruben gets in contact with you to uh, make an offer. So, Ruben, there used to be this line of frosted gel pens. This is why yeah. I'm bringing it up, and they used to have marbled ink uh, colors, and oh, they were wow. by Zebra. And they were called Super Marble Gel Pens, and I loved them. I used to buy them in bulk. But they discontinued them probably back in 2000 and, I want to say 2007, 2008, like many, many years ago. So a decade ago. Like a long time ago. And one of the first Facebook groups I joined was this group called Bring Back Super Marble Gel Pens by Zebra. And guess what? They brought them back. (laughs) So so we can get those now? But they got rid of the frosted... The frosted finish. So you can, I mean, you can like, frost yourself with like some 800 grit if you want to do that. I feel like I need to buy like a box of them now and then just like spend an afternoon just frosting, just frosting them. Just frosting them. them. <laughs> but no, these were amazing. They came out with all, it was like this pearlescent marble um, colour changing ink. So Zebra Super Marble Gel. I'm going to look that up. Oh, pretty amazing. It is It is weird though with the, that um, even ballpoints go up to such a high um such a high degree of luxury. Like, I'm pretty sure, I don't know anyone with one, but I'm pretty sure you can get a Nakaya ballpoint, can't you? Oh, uh, wow. I think, so, Ian Reed of the Sydney group was looking at getting a Nakaya rollable. Okay. He asked me to keep my eye out when I was in Japan. I asked them whether or not they stocked them and they laughed at me. Oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> like, oh, true story. Just before we get into our uh, second topic, a little bit of news and housekeeping. Diana, do you want to this one for us? Sure. So two things. Well, they're both the reminders. We are having our 24th episode, the one-year anniversary episode. Um, we're having it on the 20th of July. So that episode will be a special Q&A episode where anyone who wants to submit a question, we'll read it out in the episode and um, whoever, whichever hosts we happen to have for that episode, they'll answer your questions. So please send in whatever questions you've had been building up, you've been keeping bottled inside for all this time. It doesn't have to be fountain pen related, but... Uh, is it a free-for-all? It is pretty much a free-for-all, I think. It's a free-for-all uh, question oh and answer. Gosh, I got one oh, that I'm going to be It's going to be a great episode. It is going to be a great episode. So how would you get your questions to us? You can do it on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. You can email us or any of the hosts and they'll find their ways to me and I'll collate them. The second reminder is don't forget that the Pelican Hub date has been announced it's the 21st of september um the, f- the thursday night i think and you have until july the 16th to register if you want to be an attendee at the pelican hubs don't forget it's always a lot of fun and even if it's your first time it's a great way to meet new people and you don't have to have a pelican to be there you, exactly no, just, just we've had that question a few times yeah yeah a few also, people have asked if you do go you said it was september 21st Yes. Right. Okay. Uh, if you do go, you can, after the fact, uh, listen to the Earth, Wind & Fire song September uh, about uh, that night, uh, if you would like to reminisce. Uh, I think it, it's a perfect timing for that. Uh, but yes, remember, questions and Pelican Hubs. Uh, links will be in our show notes. On to our next feature topic, uh, something that you'll, you'll probably find on a lot of, uh, if you're a big internet user for fountain pen communities, um, the antipathy toward ballpoint and ballpoint users and elitism and gatekeeping in the community. 
Now, I mean, you don't have to look very far into even within the fan pen community. Any any community that kind of likes nice things, likes uh, likes enforcing, you know, even jokingly uh, a bit of a floor, uh, and there's often no ceiling. Um, <laughs> but there, there being a, a, a basic point to get past, um, you know, even amongst uh, fan pen users, we've uh, we've touched on it before about uh, steel and gold nib pens. But uh, between fountain pen users and ballpoint users, there is uh, a considerably larger gulf. Does anybody have anything they want to uh, bring up about uh, just this sort of generalized disdain? Ruben, you're the one who suggested this topic. And I think it was partially in response to an article um, or an essay, rather, on the Karis Customs blog that went viral a couple of weeks ago about um, elitism in the fountain pen community, right? And um, the kind of nastiness that gets thrown around, especially for people who love like the less pricier end of the spectrum. Um, and I think it led more generally to this conversation about um, gatekeeping, you know, in in a more wider sense. And what... I was thinking in particular was how when when we're, you know, you, fountain pen users and we see ourselves as generally a minority and we create spaces to talk about things that we like, it's natural to be a bit protective of that space and not to have, you know, the, the wider world infiltrate that space with its discussions that are considered off topic. Um, but there's a way to do that without being nasty and it's the nastiness in the discourse that a lot of us find objectionable peasant sticks is I yeah. <laughs> the first one that gets thrown around a lot right I, yeah i actually have like i um, presented this topic because i had a confession to make on that front because when i first started getting into fountain pens as a young impressionable newbie I was very enamored with fountain pens and I did find myself slipping into like because it was very easy to slip into the idea of thinking of or referring to ballpoints as peasants or devil sticks or what have you. Yeah. And I think I, I started to lean out of that a bit but I will admit that it wasn't until uh, I read the Karis article that I really thought about uh, like on an objective scale the way that we approach fountain pens and realised that I was being a complete knob, really, <laughs> and like, and just just being a pretentious individual, and it, you know, you have to realise that that kind of gatekeeping is fundamentally not constructive. Yeah, I mean, gatekeeping in something like fountain pens, which is an industry that kind of lead, like, the further into it you get, it becomes it becomes uh, resource intensive. And so it, what it becomes is classist. But the, the funny thing about it is uh, it, it reminds me of being a dancer and being a musician. Yeah, with, I understand with completely. Like young, yeah. With like young dancers <laughs> yeah. and people that are in the intermediate, they're often the most critical, right? Because of this like uh, uh, kind of a view of the community as hierarchical mm-hmm. in that um, you can progress in uh, status uh, by uh, going to a certain point, but you'll find a lot of the older dancers will be like, no, I'm just glad that everyone's dancing. Like, I'm glad that you're training. I'm glad that you're whatever, like whatever, whatever you're doing, you don't need to have a particular style or whatever. Like you, certain things will impress me, but I don't think you're 
I don't uh, disparage you for doing that. Within the musician community as well, like there's, you know, instruments are heavily, heavily wrought. You know, we we can. Uh, I'll talk about bass guitars all day um, if if we need to. But at the end of the day, like I, I know people that use uh, far more cost effective equipment than I do that are way better players, and that's like a very important thing. And often the best players will be like, I don't really super care what you're playing with if you're a great player. I like that instrument. My preferred is this, but if given this, I'll still do like an, a, the, the same job. And I find it funny whenever I see that kind of enforced hierarchy that people are trying to pander to, because it tells me that it's less, it's more about other people than it is about them. Uh, at, le- at least that's, that's been the, the way that it scans for me. It's about looking a particular way to other people. Yeah, it, it becomes like a social ladder situation, or like a hierarchy. It's status. And uh, I've, I mean, I've definitely, and there's often, when it gets thrown around, there'll be a lot of people that don't sincerely mean it, they just use it for, for joking purposes. Um, I've, definitely, I've definitely said the word peasants thing, but not seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it gets thrown around at, like, between people that talk about peasants to each other. But when you have someone that hasn't participated in something that, that uh, you have and you have a great love for, if you would like them to participate, the way to do that is not to be like, oh, you haven't done that? I can't believe you haven't done that. Mm. That's not a great motivating way to be. And yeah. I've been trying to, particularly when um, you're a fan of like cult classics, right? You're not going to introduce that to more people by being like, oh, I can't believe you haven't. It's, it's very, you're, you're going in with a negative approach. I've always been a champion of the show 30 Rock. Love it. Uh, not a lot of people watched it, uh, comparatively. And my favorite thing to do now is they're like, I've never heard of 30 Rock. I'm like, okay. Like, you have a great experience ahead of you if, if you're going to do that. Uh, it's going really, to be really fun. There's going to be a lot for you to find out. And I think that's a better way to approach it rather than immediate... Uh, you make people defensive if you... you yeah. Know, if you... Um, disparage what they actually enjoy using. Immediately right? put them on the back. And there's no need to create um, this false dichotomy of um, fountain pen users and ballpoint users, right? A lot of us use both. Most of us, I would say, do. True. But I think a large portion of this may come from people not understanding why you would invest so much in a ballpoint pen, for instance, being a fountain pen user. So we talk about um, fountain pens come at certain price points and at a particular price point you, it's the best bang for buck and it, there's a law of diminishing returns as the price goes higher but with fountain pens even as the price goes higher there are different appeals there are different writing experiences you can get I'm going to be honest with a ballpoint pen you have the same refills <laughs> and so the writing experience is not going to vary so much and that um, point where the law of diminishing returns kicks in, mm. is much, much lower. And again, you'd be looking for, at the higher ends, either the, you're paying for a brand name, the prestige of it that we mentioned, um, or you'd be p- paying for the materials. So we mentioned a Nakaya rollerball or a Nakaya uh, ballpoint pen earlier. You're paying for the materials, the craftsmanship, which... If you think about it, it's the same as what you pay for in a fountain pen when you get up to those extreme levels, um, extreme price points. 
And at the same time, first of all, the experience is much less individualized. There's less opportunity to adapt it to your own preference. But it's also creating waste. Um, Because I tend to use quite a lot of disposable ballpoints, you know, one-use pens. I I do. (laughs) Because I buy them in large packs and I just throw them around the house. Um, I'm browsing the Nakaya ballpoint section. (laughs) Do they exist? They do exist. They do exist. I'm Um, shocked, actually. the one that I saw that's in Heki Tamanuri is, uh, I believe, I mean, it's, it's cheaper than the other Nakayas, but like not by a, a super When significant. you say cheaper than the other Nakayas, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's are, you talking, are you talking about $20 cheaper? I'm talking about less waves in the ocean. You know? like, um, Just less gold. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty much, um, I mean, you could get a Briarwood one for like 400 US dollars. But you know. <laughs> <Just> mind internal <laughs> clenching. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great to bring to a meet though, just to just to see the change in reaction when you uncap the pen, <laughs> just like the double take. Just to go back to the um, the question of exclusion, when you're on a on a forum and you're on a group and someone starts talking about ballpoints, what would be, you think, a good way to respond to that sort of discussion i mean what would be the most constructive sort of reaction to it do you think off topic well the only one that i can think of is in the fountain pen network facebook page which is don't even go there (laughs) there's a very strict ban hammer in place about ballpoints uh about ballpoints about calligraphy in non-english languages i thought that was um taken back like someone Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I didn't follow. Calligraphy in non-English languages. Because right. apparently it was um, – because if you, can't, if you can't read it, you then don't you don't know what it means. And, and it, it could, could be, be saying something. Or something. Yes. Like that. Right. Okay. Okay. But there was a very strict um, ban hammer in place for uh, non-fountain pens in that particular Facebook group. Right. Yeah, which I think in a group that size, you need to enforce stricter rules. In smaller groups, I think it's probably more acceptable, albeit it's it shouldn't be the main focus. I mean, hey, there's a Big Crystal Lovers group. If you want to really talk about that, there is a Big Crystal Lovers group. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with going to a different group to see what the level of conversation or the level of engagement is. And what do you even talk about? Like, I, I don't know what I could talk about in terms of in the big crystal lover group well on probably not so much in the big crystal lovers group but if <laughs> i were to post something about ballpoint pens in fountain pens oceania i have no idea what i would be able to, what i would say and i don't know how to keep that conversation going i think from my experience of seeing those types of posts in the past so many of them are just trolling posts joke posts um, regarding big crystals and so on, they're not really intended to start a conversation. Whereas I think there is a conversation that is possible, as we've just proven by discussing ballpoints for like yeah. the last hour. And that and oh. that trolling is exclusionary in itself. But the it's, trolling yeah. is a reaction to the fact that you're trying to prevent any sort of mention of bo- of bigs. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know which starts it. Oh. Actually, um, that did raise a. a it reminded me of a post that you made recently, Diana, about the Tiffany Sharpie. Oh, yes. That was I thought that was, that was that amazing. Was that was fantastic. <laughs> that, that was, was such a fan of <laughs> And uh, Diana, for context, she posted a picture of Ian, um, a Sydney member. Uh, his T 
Tiffany fiber marker or marker pen. It was a felt tip, wasn't felt it? Felt tip. It's what it is. Is this extremely chunky and very large? Um, I think sterling silver plated enameled pen, which it. which is actually like a vessel for holding a complete sharpie. So you take the cap of a Sharpie and you slip it into this pen and it writes like a Sharpie, like a very large and very heavy Sharpie holder. Yeah. Let's be real, it is beautiful. It is beautiful. It is, beautiful. <laughs> it, it is very aesthetic. I actually quite loved those photos. <laughs> but what really this, tickled... <laughs> uh, but by the way, before we just get off the topic of Tiffany, while I'm in there, they have this listed in their everyday objects, right? Um, oh, is it? They have this listed in their everyday objects. I didn't know this objects. was on their website. Uh, it's a, a sterling silver marker... Um, and it's uh, $750 US. Here's another thing that they have listed in everyday objects for someone that's going to talk about how useless it is. Uh, they have a $1,000 sterling silver tin can. Not a joke. It's in there. So utility is not, utility is not what's at play here, right? Utility is not what's at play here. So, so as, novelty value. As soon as the sterling silver tin can came into play, that argument became invalid. <laughs> but what really I thought was really quite hilarious about it was this extremely um, luxurious looking pen and you open it up and you just have a regular Sharpie refill that you can buy at any stationery store. And um, that juxtaposition was it's quite really hilarious. Nice. Also a I really like clothes. it for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a sterling silver clothes peg. A clothes But it has the Tiffany blue on the tip of it. It does. a single strap on the clothes peg. I assume you could only use this to hang up lingerie. I don't know. Um, I don't. Maybe is it more like durable? Because like clothes pegs just die so quickly. Sterling silver. Sterling silver. silver. <laughs> yeah, but the spring is the thing that you got to worry about. Yeah, there's a there's a sterling silver ball of yarn, which is nine thousand dollars. Uh, I've, I've got to get off this because this is a whole episode. If I stay on <laughs> everyday objects, here we go. Oh, <laughs> so I've got oh. enough that Sharon has gone on. Um, but yeah, wait, wait, so, wait, wait. They have a bone china paper cup. So is it a paper cup? <laughs> or is it not? Because if it's a paper cup, it's $155 for a paper cup. Is it reusable? I don't know. It says bone china paper cup. Is it the colour or is it because it's that's a... It says paper cup. So. <laughs> Contradiction in terms. Yeah, oh, wait, 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 wait. Sorry. Is bone china a material or is it like cheddar? I don't know. Do you but, know? But, 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 but you can get a sterling silver crazy straw. Yep. No, that's a good idea though because they're reusable. But it's still silver, silver, so surely I mean, you could get a stainless steel. You one. could have like oxidized, uh, oxidation, oxidized. I think it's oxidization, but oxidization? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We need Joanne here for this. Oxi- <laughs> mm. yeah. It could oxidize. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There we go. Okay. So we're not sure with the with the past tense, um, but. I think what I'm trying to say about this uh, Tiffany & Co. is clearly it's not about regular usage. It's the Chinese food pill it's, box. It's like a luxury item. How much is the Chinese food pill box? box? 580 bucks. Um, so, so clearly these are items uh, like that are luxury novelty. Like the the fact that one of these exists should not be a huge surprise to the fountain pen community. <laughs> I agree. There was a very energetic negative reaction to it when when you put up this uh, information. Though. I don't think the the reaction was all negative. It was just quite am- amazement. Incredulous. In general. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Incredulity is probably a good one to go with. Yeah. Mm. 
I know what I'm getting. Well, not my kids, but maybe my cousins. No, they're only too old. Your first, um, your first protractor. How about a small <laughs> silver one? Actually, you're having a housewarming soon. Is there anything on there that you <laughs> don't like as a housewarming protractor? <laughs> would you like a clothes peg? Yeah. I, don't, I would not like a clothes peg. I do appreciate. Oh, you can get a sterling silver greenhouse. You can get a sterling silver bird's nest. I assume for your sterling silver birds. Um, <laughs> There's a mini folding chair too. <laughs> this has oh. just evolved into what can yeah. be to sterling silver. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is this is really the Tiffany and Co episode now. <laughs> I think Sorry. we're gonna have to cut a lot of this. <laughs> I think what uh, what Dai is trying to um, touch on is like where, where do we draw the line between staying on topic and being exclusionary to people that are uh, uh, you know feeling out the community or or um, you know just showing interest. Oh, if it's specifically around why are you using that peasant stick, I would show that. Um, oh God, I've just completely blanked on the name. There's an Instagram user who does the most amazing calligraphy with ballpoint pens. I would show them that. Mm. So I follow one, which is a Taiwan one, but then there's also one who does uh, Western calligraphy, and Ooh. I will find it. Oh, I need to see that. So it was Alan Visses, A-L-L-A-N-V-I-S-S-E-S, on Instagram. They're pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. oh yes, that is very much my brand. Look That's at that. where you have a big stack of paper, right? Or so you a can leather, a mm. sheet of leather. Yeah. That so so with a ballpoint you can create yeah. variation you can create, of uh, line. variation better than you can with um, a non-flex fountain pen. Mm. Or even with a that. flex fountain pen. On the topic that you were talking about, um, Chuck, I think a lot of it um, – judging how to respond to these various um, statements and things. It depends on, I think, the intention or how you read the person making that statement. So um, going back to someone who posts about ballpoints on a community forum, is there you have to make that judgment. Do you think that person is trolling? In which case, maybe just ignore them or... Um, uh, try to steer the conversation towards something that is more interesting. If you think that they're actually trying to make a conversation about ballpoints that is worthwhile, then feed that, you know, um, encourage the things that you want to see. And if you sense that someone is receptive to different types of writing instruments, then maybe if they're already using a Lamy Safari ballpoint, say, oh, have you tried this Lamy Safari fountain pen? It's something a little bit different that I think you might like. There's ways to introduce people to using fountain pens without putting down what they've already been using. But at the same time, you have to accept that not everyone maybe wants to use a fountain pen, and that is all right as well. Yeah. Not everyone's receptive to being evangelized at. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think you know, the, the simplest rule is just don't be a dick. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's very it's very simple. Just don't be an unpleasant person when somebody expresses uh, a preference for a different writing implement. And I think the easiest thing to go with is different different tools for different applications. Chuck, you've demonstrated you've shown that in your work, every day you have a reason to use a ballpoint pen because practically it makes more sense when you're writing on certain services than. Yeah. And so I've tried, being, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but, so and and like ballpoints, like. I've seen some amazing artworks and stuff done by people using nothing but ballpoints of cinema calligraphy. Um, I was speaking to our friend Melissa about this and she's pointed me in the direction of some people who do outstanding art- artwork 
with ball points, and I don't think you could necessarily achieve that with a fountain pen. So I will also put in another plug for this Instagram account that I follow called TMT Calligraphy. And again, she she switches it up every now and then. But I first started following her for her ballpoint pen calligraphy. And she does the most amazing Spencerian with a big stick. All right. Well, let's wrap up that topic. But, you know, as, as we go ahead, uh, listeners, you know, if you want to get more people involved in your hobby, if you want to have your hobby appear welcoming and not elitist and exclusionary, then uh, let's take a more positive, uh, welcoming tone. Um, I think is what we're, we're, we're trying to get at with this episode, which brings us to our recommendation section. Um, I'm going to let Ruben kick this one off. Uh, I've really been digging listening to artists who sing in languages other than English lately, and um, I'm the least likely metalhead that you'll ever meet, but I have really been grooving to the release of a new band from New Zealand called Alien Weaponry. They've released their new album, Two, I think is. I'm probably going to absolutely destroy all the pronunciation because they sing in Te Reo Māori. And they are a trio of 15-year-olds from New Zealand. And they're kind of like silver chair level amazing. They oh, do wow. thrash metal and they sing in primarily Te Reo Māori and they are absolutely killing it. And if you're at all a metalhead, I would absolutely recommend checking them out. Okay. Recommendation for the metalheads there. Sharon, I believe you had something that you wanted to recommend. So um, my go-to drink of choice is a gin and tonic. And I've recently become obsessed with Four Pillars Gin. And so I put in a plug for the Four Pillars Gin. And it's just they're, they're a small distillery from... Victoria, and they have made a, a absolute award-winning uh, dry gin, and so it is. Their Four Pillars Rare Dry Gin, just stock standard, absolutely fantastic. It's award-winning, and it's such a great um, base for a gin tonic. It's stocked in quite a lot of bars stocked, and restaurants in Sydney. Yeah, and I think it's also stocked worldwide as well. Okay. But it comes from Victoria because okay. it has won, so it's won a double gold medal. Um, at the New York World Wine and Spirits Competition, San Francisco Comp, Hong Kong International Comp. Like, that's a pretty good award winner. Dana, what would you like to recommend today? I went into Netflix last night and I realised, to my great joy, that Samurai Shampoo is now available. Yes! So, oh my God. It's, have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. Oh, okay. uh, I, I actually was a big fan of the. Uh, of oh, that makes Sam, me so happy. I was a big fan of uh, Nijabas. Oh, um, yes. Wow. Okay. I'm glad that everyone here has seen it. The whole room pulled it up. So, um, it's my favorite anime as well. Um, Shinichiro Watanabe, who's the director of Cowboy Bebop and Samurai Champloo, and I think mm. something Kids called Kids on the um, Slope, I think, is the most yeah, recent one. Yeah, no, he, something called like Space Love. I, Space I, don't, I can't Dandy? remember. Space Dandy, yeah, that I one. Never got around to it. Not as good as Samurai uh. Champloo. If you haven't heard, his, heard of his work, he's an incredibly um, <laughs> beloved and very well admired anime director. Even outside of the genre, I think he's got a really good reputation. And Samurai Champloo is just very unusual in the style of um, animation. The story is about um, these three wandering 
I don't know what you call them. They're these vagrants? young. Uh, well, there's a vagrant. There, there's, there's these a three main characters. There's a Ronin. There's a vagrant who's like a also a pirate, like an ex-con, and there's this young girl. this young girl looking for her father. Mugen and Fu. And it's set in the um, Tokugawa shogunate period, the Edo period of Japan, which is I think the 17th to 18th century. So it's about I think it's about Watanabe working through. Uh, Japan's history and its exposure to the West, because this, I think, was created in the early 2000s. And um, it's about different cultures, different periods getting mashed together, as Hip-hop you can dance fighting. as you can tell from the name, yeah, and the <laughs> yeah, soundtrack. His, his breakdance fighting is so just glorious to watch. The animation is just—it's so amazing. <laughs> it's, it's like breakdancing and. Um, fighting, sword fighting, yeah. and martial like arts capoeira. combined together. I love hearing about this from like non dancers, <laughs> like that it's still well regarded. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. I love the animation. I love the music, but I especially love the characters. <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun, and especially since on Twitter it's been quite a disastrous week politically speaking. So something like Samurai Champloo, I think. Really, it lifts your heart and it puts me in a good mood. Yeah, there's like a room-wide squee moment happening. <laughs> um, okay, uh, that's that's a that's a big recommendation. Um, I also have a recommendation uh, to round it out. I am normally I'm a big fan of leather goods, uh, uh, but I don't like consumptive leather use. Anytime I buy something leather, I, I sort of. Um, buy with the intent that I'm going to take care of it and this thing is going to outlast me, uh, the durability of it. Uh, in that case, if you are not um, into leather and you're into sustainable, I think their tagline is sustainable luxury, uh, which is which is a nice tagline. Uh, there's a brand uh, from the UK called Elvis and Cress. Uh, I think I'm pronouncing uh, incorrectly. But uh, they do a bunch of um, bags, and it goes into stationery and uh, covers and stuff. Uh, but they're made out of reclaimed fire hose and uh, parachute silk, and the red the red stuff is very striking. Um, they're real hard wearing. Uh, they offer repairs for life. Fifty percent of their profits go to the firefighters association uh, in the UK. I do not have the red. I have the yellow because I'm on brand. But uh, look, it's it's really hard wearing stuff. The it appears well made. Um, I've I've had a solid look over of it. From a distance, I thought. Um, so I'm looking at Chuck's bag. From a distance, I thought it was um, faux crocodile leather yeah. at first. It's got it's got like a a similar kind of give to it as leather. Mm. Uh, it's it's like it appears well structured and sturdy. Uh, true story. I got this bag because it was the perfect shape for my little 8 to 10 kilo dog uh, in case I need to carry her around (laughs) on public transport. That's so perfect. Yeah, uh, Elvis and Cress. Big fan of their work. They they were also great in that I gave them a parcel locker to deliver to and they didn't email. They called me uh, from the UK to say, hey, we've delivered to some parcel lockers before and it's gotten sent back to us. We don't want that to happen to you. So maybe... uh, Send us uh, your actual address, and we'll uh, have a career that will require a signature. Uh, so they didn't just email me; they called me before sending it out, so that they could send it out uh, as quick as they could as well. So I am a fan of both their product uh, and their customer service. Hmm. Uh, Shout out to Elvis and Cress. Okay, uh, well, that wraps up our uh, 
Chicago Bulls, 95-96 season episode. Um, I still have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. It's fine, it's fine. Look, I, I, don't, I don't often make sports references, and I won't for a while after this, but that, that was the one. Um, thank you for uh, joining us the, for this episode, Ruben. Well, it was a pleasure. Uh, thank you once again, Sharon. Thank you. Phyllis Leader Diana, thank you once again. Thanks, Chuck. And my name is Chuck Montano. Thank you, listeners. Until next time, ink well. Future episodes of this podcast can be found at thenibsection.com and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hop onto iTunes, rate us, review us, recommend us to your friends. Want to share your thoughts, suggestions, feedback? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at thenibsection at gmail.com. You can also comment at us on the Nib Section Facebook page or at the Nib Section on Twitter and Instagram. The Nib Section is the official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania. Our producers this episode were Diana Dye, Chucks Monsano, and Sharon Zah. Recording and editing was done by Diana Dye. Our music was composed by Michael Pierce. Our logo was designed by Will H. Smith with artwork by Melissa Graff. Thank you for listening.